0: So the the number one electrolyte that we lose in sweat is sodium, okay? Number two is chloride, number three is potassium. And then we lose lesser amounts of magnesium and calcium. These are the five electrolytes that we are losing um, in our sweat. So, what does sodium chloride and potassium do in our body? It helps to regulate and maintain fluid uh, balance in your body, whereas magnesium and calcium are essential for optimal muscle function and play a role in energy metabolism. So, we definitely need to make sure we are replacing these because we are losing them in both sweat as well as urine, okay? Um, We want to make sure we are uh, replacing these. And I do get that focus oftentimes on just, do I just drink water? When should I start, you know, replacing these electrolytes? Well, let's talk about that right now. When is it important to move from water to a electrolyte replacement beverage, right? A carbohydrate replacement beverage. So for example, a sports drink, right? That's what it's usually called. Um, I like to use what I call the three H's to help me remember when it's important to switch from water to a carbohydrate electrolyte replacement beverage. What are the three H's? So This is, again, when you are going to switch over from water. This is when we move away from just water and we move over to um, a beverage that has carbs and electrolytes. If you are exercising longer than one hour, one hour, that's where we want to use this. If we are exercising in high heat or humidity, we want to use a carbohydrate electrolyte beverage or if our exercise is going to be very hard or intense. Hi, welcome to the Active Bariatric Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host Kim Tirapelli, a bariatric sports dietitian, and I help post-bariatric clients achieve their fitness goals through better nutrition and addressing the problems that come from typical bariatric and sports nutrition advice that just don't work for an active bariatric lifestyle. Hey there, welcome to episode six of the Active Bariatric Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host Kim Tirapelli. Today, I want to talk all about fluids, electrolytes, hydration, sweat for bariatric athletes after bariatric surgery. Um, I think this is a really important topic because oftentimes we spend all of our time talking about what to eat for our workouts and exercising and how much protein we need to optimize muscle gains and all these things. But oftentimes, fluids take a back seat and they play a very critical role in our ability to exercise um, and to meet our goals and just feel good doing it. So I want to talk today about ways to increase your fluids and electrolytes, how much to drink before, during, and after workouts, foods and fluids that contain electrolytes, and real-life strategies to help increase your overall fluid intake. So let's dive in. So after bariatric surgery, one of the main reasons for readmission is dehydration. And I can say that in the many years that I worked in a bariatric surgery center, um, I did see dehydration as the main reason that patients would come back after their surgery and would have to get rehydrated um, and then be discharged again. So it's definitely a challenge. There's no doubt about it. Um, And so Obviously, as you then want to start exercising more after your surgery, it becomes even more important that we have strategies in place that keep our fluid intake stable um, and that we're rehydrating after workouts um, adequately so we can continue to exercise. Um, What are some symptoms of dehydration? Um, When you're dehydrated, you can feel a little bit confused, weakness, dizziness, Experience constipation, which is real after bariatric surgery. Um, Experience overall fatigue. Um, In exercise, you will fatigue sooner. Um, You just might feel like you're overheating, um, just feel real weak. So, those are some symptoms that you'll notice if you are dehydrated. Um, Another way to easily tell if you're getting dehydrated is to take a look at your urine. If it is dark in color, something like an apple juice color, um, that means that you are getting dehydrated and you need to really focus on increasing your fluids. Again, specific to exercise, when you are losing as little as 2% of body weight from sweat, if you're not replacing that and staying on top of your hydration, it will lead to decrease in your exercise performance, and it's even worse in the heat. So for example, if a 2% body weight, we're looking at that for a 200-pound athlete, that's four pounds. So if you can lose that amount of fluid in a workout, we need to make sure we are definitely focusing on rehydrating. Um, We often talk about, like I said, what to eat for exercise, but if you want to reach your fitness goals, we have to look at fluids as part of our overall sports nutrition strategy. So that's really what I want to focus on today. So, what contributes to overall less fluid intake after bariatric surgery? Why do we struggle so much after surgery with fluids? This is so frustrating. And regardless of whether you're exercising or not, this is this is real and it happens. Um, of course, lots of issues that kind of play a role. We have to separate our food and drink by 30 minutes, right? So, that timing issue makes it more difficult because we can't just sit down, eat, drink, you know, as much as we want. Um, we have to make that timing part of this strategy. So that does make it a little bit more challenging. Sipping, we can't just chug or gulp, right? We have to sip small amounts. I will say that over time, that does get easier, thankfully. Um, but certainly in the initial stages after surgery, it is really important that you're sipping so that we don't put too much down there and you feel sick or have to you know, um, have pain or cramping or bloating. So sipping limits our overall intake as well. Some folks after surgery even experience nausea just from plain water, right? So it's like, gosh, I can't even tolerate water. What am I supposed to drink? So we are going to talk about that later today. What are some options for you uh, besides water that can help us get our fluid intakes uh, needs met? And then, of course, if we throw in now, we want to begin exercising, um, we are going to start sweating, right? When we sweat, we are losing fluid from our body. Now, the issue with that that I run into with clients is that they forget that what they're losing in their sweat needs to re- be replaced, but that is in addition to our basic daily needs of fluids, right? And I know that you know, obviously, after surgery, generally, you get that 64 ounces of, of fluid per day recommendation. You have to replace the sweat loss. As well as make sure you're meeting those minimal fluid guidelines. So often we just forget that additional amount, and that's how we start getting dehydrated over time. So let's discuss fluid losses from exercise. Why do we sweat? What's so? Why do we sweat? You know, why is this? Why does this happen? Um, remember that sweating is necessary. This helps cool our body to maintain our optimal core temperature. When we exercise, we produce heat which then evaporates off from the skin into the atmosphere, and this helps cool our body temperature. This allows you to continue to exercise longer, harder, without overheating. So there's lots of factors that that impact your sweating, whether it increases it or decreases it. So I want to talk about that a little bit, because there may be some factors that you weren't thinking about that are impacting your sweat rate, and if we're not taking that into account in in our rehydration strategy, we might miss out. So let's talk about what impacts sweat rate. So hydration status coming into the workout. Guys, if you are dehydrated coming into the workout, you can't produce sweat, right? Because if you don't have fluid inside your body, how are you going to create that sweat to cool our core temperature? So when you're dehydrated, this will reduce the ability to create sweat, which can then lead to you feeling more fatigued sooner in the workout. The environment. So increased heat, Humidity um, will increase your sweat. If you are exercising in the cold, like we are now here, you know, we're in the United States, um, you know, obviously we're entering winter. Uh, we're we're out in the cold now. Um, remember that what you wear can impact your sweating. Right. So if you're wearing multiple, um, you know, thick clothing, this can uh, keep that temperature inside your clothing. You know, against your body, which can increase your sweating. Um, a tip for that would just to be start wearing layers that can be removed as you are exercising and you're feeling hot. You know, you can start stripping off some layers. Um, And I just want to remind you, if you can see your breath, you are losing fluid. So just because you're outside in the cold doesn't mean that you aren't going to sweat, right? We might, oh, I feel cold, but you are still producing heat when you're moving. So if you can see your breath, you are losing fluid. We need to make sure we are drinking even in the cold temperatures. We have to make sure that we are staying hydrated. Training at altitude. So for my runners, my cyclists, my hikers that like to train um, or exercise at altitude, they're moving in a- at high altitude. Um, you can sweat more because typically at altitude, the air is drier. So that does increase our sweat rate. In addition, you will urinate more at altitude. So that also leads to more fluid losses that we have to take into account. Body size impacts sweat rate. Larger body size produces more heat and therefore sweat, as well, well as larger surface area produces more sweat to cool your body. Your training status. So if you are more trained, and that just means if you work out a lot, you know, you are consistent, um, you're you know more fit, for example, um, you will train or well, excuse me, you will sweat more easily. So when we are more trained, we sweat more easily, which is a good thing because that is helping us to cool our body um, more efficiently. Um, muscle mass, higher muscle mass produces more heat, um, and that's, this can lead to a higher sweat rate, your health status. So when you're sick, think about when you have the cold and the flu. I I know that like when you have a fever, you know, you break that, what happens? We start sweating hormone fluctuations. Ladies, I'm talking about heat flashes, right? I know, you know what I'm talking about. This can increase internal body temperature leading to more sweat loss. So again, those are some things to think about. As we age, we become less tolerant to heat, reducing our body's ability to cool itself so we actually sweat less as we age. And then what we eat can actually impact our sweating. Uh, Spicy foods, even caffeine, can increase body heat and induce sweating. So these are factors that I want you to just be aware of and think about because, again, if you don't have a fluid strategy to really make sure you're replacing these losses, you're not going to be able to perform at the uh, level that you want. So, what are some fluid guidelines for bariatric athletes? Now, in my previous episodes, I've talked about pre-workout nutrition and recovery nutrition. If you haven't listened to those, I highly recommend you go back and listen to those. I do talk a little bit about fluid intake in those um, episodes. Go check those out because I talk about food intake as well, but. I want to just reiterate these same fluid guidelines again today so that you're hearing it again. Um, If we're looking at specifically around exercise uh, workouts, before exercise, we want to be drinking about two to four hours before the exercise uh, routine or the workout. We want to drink about 16 to 24 ounces of fluids. What we're doing is we are kind of hyper hydrating, getting in additional fluids before that workout so that we're coming into the workout hydrated. About 15 to 30 minutes before the workout, or even if this is a competition, for example, you want to try to sip again about 8 to 16 ounces of fluids right before that workout begins. Again, we're topping off our fluid stores. During exercise, we want to sip about 4 to 6 ounces of fluid every 15 minutes for exercise lasting longer than an hour. And for those of you that are really heavy sweaters, you may need even more 8 to 16 ounces every 15 minutes um, for heavy sweating. So um, as a reminder, one sip is about one ounce. Just to give you kind of some you know, idea, well, how much does that you know, mean when I'm drinking? One sip is about one ounce of fluid. So if you keep that in mind, four to six ounces every 15 minutes, you can do that um, typically. Bariatric athletes typically, by the time they are getting to more endurance training, um, they are able to tolerate this amount of liquid. But again, I want to reiterate, everybody's different and we have to figure out what works best for you. So working one-on-one with a bariatric sports dietitian is so helpful because we can really dial in these strategies. After a workout, it's very critical that we rehydrate, right? Because of course, if we're coming into our workout dehydrated, like I mentioned earlier, you're not going to feel well. So it's really important that we are rehydrating. For every one pound lost in sweat, we should be rehydrating with 16 to 24 ounces of fluid. So how do we calculate that? Let's just use a quick calculation. If you are um, about 150 pounds and after the workout, you weigh 148 pounds, you have lost two pounds from fluid. Um, And we know that about one pound is 16 ounces. If you've lost two pounds in a workout, we need to rehydrate with at least 32 to 48 ounces of fluids. So that kind of helps you determine your sweating and how much you should uh, rehydrate with. (laughs) mm <laughs> And when I'm working with my bariatric athletes, as again, by the time folks are usually starting to work with me, they're a little bit farther out from their surgery. They're able to drink a little bit more, tolerate more. Um, I I start moving away from that just straight everyone needs to drink 64 ounces of fluids. And I rely more on um, individual strategies based on your body weight. So I typically will look at about one half to one ounce per pound as a good range to be aiming for for fluids during the day. Okay. And again, that does not include what we are rehydrating uh, with from sweat losses. And um, I want to also reiterate that when I utilize calculations, we're usually looking at the weight that we get to after surgery, which is our maintenance weight, or even our what our surgeons would call our goal weight. That's where I would uh, focus on in terms of using as a number to calculate different needs that we talk about in my podcast episodes. So now that we've talked about just straight fluids, I want to also discuss electrolytes because this is a big buzzword out there. And you know there's tons of different products out there that you can use to um, replace electrolytes. But what are electrolytes, right? So there are five main electrolytes that we lose in sweat. And I want to talk about this because there's a lot of confusion on which is the one that we lose the most of and that we need to really focus on replacing. So the, the number one electrolyte that we lose in sweat is sodium. Okay. Number two is chloride. Number three is potassium. And then we lose lesser amounts of magnesium and calcium. These are the five electrolytes that we are losing um, in our sweat. So what does sodium chloride and potassium do in our body? It helps to regulate and maintain fluid uh, balance in your body. Whereas magnesium and calcium are essential for optimal muscle function and play a role in energy metabolism. So we definitely need to make sure we are replacing these because we are losing them in both sweat as well as urine. Okay. Um, We want to make sure we are uh, replacing these. And I do get that focus oftentimes on just, do I just drink water? When should I start, you know, replacing these electrolytes? Well, let's talk about that right now. When is it important to move from water to a electrolyte replacement beverage, right? A carbohydrate replacement beverage. So for example, a sports drink, right? That's what it's usually called. Um, I like to use what I call the three H's to help me remember when it's important to switch from water to a carbohydrate electrolyte replacement beverage. What are the three H's? So This is, again, when you are going to switch over from water. This is when we move away from just water and we move over to um, a beverage that has carbs and electrolytes. If you are exercising longer than one hour, one hour, that's where we want to use this. If we are exercising in high heat or humidity, we want to use a carbohydrate electrolyte beverage, or if our exercise is going to be very hard or intense. Okay, that those are the times where it might be better to move away from just water and start looking at replacing with carbs and electrolytes. So what is an optimal sports drink uh, that we want to look at? What's what kind of is the makeup of an optimal sports drink? You want to look for carbohydrate concentration of about five to eight percent, which is approximately 14 grams of carbohydrate in eight ounce solution. So this gives us about 6% solution when we have that um, amount. This is designed to enhance gastric emptying rate so they can get out of your stomach and into your body, into your bloodstream, um, and help you to replace those carbs and electrolytes. Um, You will also tolerate that amount best. You want to also look for multiple sugar sources in your beverages. Um, They should contain sucrose, which is fructose and glucose, as well as glucose. You don't want to just focus on one type of carbohydrate. When we have different sources of carbohydrate, our body is able to take in more carbs and absorb more carbohydrate. Um, Sodium, we want to look for at least 150 to 180 milligrams per 8 ounces. For potassium, at least 50 to 75 milligrams per eight ounces. And we want to also include, um, when we're looking at beverage selections, for example, or gels, low in protein and fat, um, because this does enhance gastric emptying rate and prevents bloating and cramping. So that's kind of a what to look for if you're looking for certain products out there. Um, and, and guys, this is going to be more important really um, specifically for endurance athletes as well. Um, these types of beverages and gels and things like that will be very necessary during long endurance training events. So this will be um, some guidelines that you can utilize. I also want to comment for those of you that are salty sweaters. So how many of you work out and after the workout, you notice that you've like salt on your face, like gentlemen, you might have in your beard or your mustache, Um, you might have it on the brim of your cap. So if you run a lot outside or you wear a hat when you're exercising and you take it off and you can just see a white like rim um, underneath the brim of the cap, if you've like a grimy feeling on like your face or your neck, um, that might mean you are a, what we call a salty sweater, which means you have an even higher concentration of sodium in your sweat that needs to be replaced. So for those of you that are salty sweaters, you may benefit from products that have even higher amount of sodium because again, if you're losing more, we need to make sure we're replacing it as well. Um, Some products that are higher in sodium include the Right Stuff, Gatorade, Gator Lights, Liquid IV. Those are some um, that you can look at and there's other ones as well, but those are just some that I have experience with um, that have been helpful for my endurance athletes that are heavy sweaters that have high sodium content in their sweat. So that brings me then to what are some real-life strategies after bariatric surgery to help you increase your intake of both fluids and electrolytes. Well, first off, keep a fluid bottle nearby. At all times. Okay. If it's in your line of vision, um, it's going to be a lot easier for you to remember, oh, yeah, I need to be sipping. Right. Because again, we have to separate our food and drink, which means it's so critical in between your meals that you are consistently sipping on fluids um one uh product that i know a lot of my clients use i am gonna be honest i have it too um the hydrate spark bottle which lights up um it has an app that you put on your phone you can even it tracks your intake it lights up and reminds you and sends you cues on your phone um, when it's time to drink um and so it's a nice it's a nice product out there that um some athletes have found um your bariatric clients have found to be helpful to help them increase their intake Set alarms on your phone if necessary. Or if you work at a computer all day, have an alarm pop up on your computer. That's easy to set up. There are lots of apps that you can put on your phone um, that will help to track your intake and remind you to drink throughout the day. Also, when allowed to do so by your clinic, some bariatric clients do tolerate using straws. Um, The issue that we do see with straws and and the reason that generally it's not recommended to use a straw right after surgery is because it can induce or excuse me, it can cause you to swallow air along with the fluid and that inside your new small pouch can cause some pain and discomfort. So no doubt about it, it can be an issue. But generally speaking, as, as clients get farther out from surgery, they do tolerate using straws and it does help them to drink their fluids uh, more frequently and consistently. So, you know, my goal with athletes and and with my bariatric clients is we got to get those fluids in, okay, in a way that you tolerate, right? And so uh, straws can be helpful for some clients, not everybody, but um, I just want to advise you always, you know, certainly discuss it with your surgery center um, down the road. Trying different options from water. So as I mentioned earlier, for some clients, nausea happens when they drink water. Um, or they'll tell me it has like a mineral flavor or it's, it feels thick when it's just plain water. There's all kinds of kind of interesting and, and different experiences with just plain water. So certainly adding in flavors, um, infusing your water with slices of fruits or veggies, like, you know, slice of cucumber or slicing in some, you know, uh, berries or things like that, that you can, oranges, for example, um, that you can just have infusing in your water to give it a little bit of flavor. I have, um, Many clients that use flavor packets, you know the Kroger, Walmart, Crystal Light packets that will add flavor. Um, I just always remind you, you know, try to use it minimally. But if it does add flavor, that helps to increase your um, intake. Super Um, using electrolyte sugar-free beverages like Gatorade Zero, um, even like the Propel, um, to add some flavor and electrolytes. You can use electrolyte packets um, to add flavor to your water as well as electrolytes. Um, Some products that I like. You can hydrate and you can is spelled u c a n you can hydrate the scratch labs hydration drink mix the huma hydration electrolyte drink mix you can use noon tablets if you need to again Gatorade 0 can be helpful again those electrolytes and the flavoring just oftentimes help us to not only retain fluids when we add electrolytes especially that sodium but it helps to increase our thirst which then stimulates more intake um, also, I challenge you to look at, do you tolerate hot versus cold temperatures? You know, obviously, after surgery, we're oftentimes recommended to stay start with uh, room temperature fluids because it can be cause some cramping or discomfort when we have either extreme temperatures of hot or cold. But as again, as you move forward, you will be able to tolerate different temperatures. So I have some um, clients that tolerate cold iced, great. Some uh, that tolerate warm beverages better. And as we're getting into the winter months, oftentimes that warm, uh, soothing beverage, especially in the morning or before bed, can help us increase our fluids. So I would challenge you to look at different temperatures of your fluid. Um, herbal teas. Um, I get a lot of clients that use different herbal teas that have a nice flavor. Um, you're getting antioxidants. And um, of course, you can use them hot or cold. Um, but herbal teas are nice and they're um, decaf if you're looking at uh, avoiding caffeine. Um, so Sweet versus savory flavors. I get a lot of clients after the surgery who just cannot tolerate um, those, you know, sweeter flavors. So, utilizing savory like a broth, soups, and stews versus more of the sweeter flavors can also help us increase our intake. And often, as as I mentioned earlier, broths, soups, and stews usually do have more uh, sodium in them as well what are some foods that are high in fluid content because i want to just say this cuz i get this so much you know um If I eat foods that are high in fluids, does that help me? Yes, it does. Everything that you're taking in your body does help. So I know all these rules out there with, you know, separating your fluids from other things that you're taking in. You could only look at your water intake as your fluid. But guys, your overall intake, foods and fluids do help us hydrate our body in reality. Okay. So these are some foods that are high in fluids that will also help hydrate our body. Yogurts, soups and stews, Fruits such as melon like watermelon, uh, honeydew, cantaloupe, um, pineapple, apples, berries, peaches, um, vegetables like lettuce, cucumbers, tomatoes, zucchini, all of these foods have high fluid content and can play a role in keeping our body um, hydrated. Um, so how do we uh, replace electrolytes in food? So a lot of times, um, for example, when I interviewed Erin um, Owens Mayhew last week, she was saying that in when she goes hiking, she doesn't use specific electrolyte uh, replacement beverages because she incorporates electrolytes in her food, which you can do as well. Absolutely. So what are some foods that are high in sodium? Think of pretzels, Pickles, salted nuts. Um, Obviously, just adding table table salt, you know, to your foods will increase your sodium intake from food intake. What are some foods that are high in potassium? Bananas, potatoes, dark leafy greens, citrus fruit. Um, Of course, our coconut water that I talked about in a previous episode um, will also have higher amounts of potassium. Foods that are high in magnesium: pumpkin seeds, almonds, cashews. Peanut butter, spinach, and beans, and foods that are high in calcium, milk, yogurt, almonds, and broccoli. So, again, I want to reiterate you don't have to just focus on getting electrolytes from those beverages or those gels or goos. You can eat electrolytes in your foods. Okay. So, I want to remind you of that because that's oftentimes something that we forget. And I just want to close out today, guys, with some frequently asked questions that I get. And I I kind of highlighted it just a moment ago, but I want to just reiterate this. I'll get this question a lot. Hey, Kim, does my protein shake count towards my overall fluid intake? In reality, yes, it does, right? Yes, your protein intake, your shake, excuse me, your protein shake does count as fluid. Now, you'll often be told though from your your surgical center um, that you should drink your protein shake as a separate from your overall fluid of you know, water intake, for example. And I, and I will say there is some truth to the fact that you don't want to just use a protein shake as your only fluid, right? Because drinking a lot of protein shakes can lead to constipation. And so you do want to make sure you are drinking additional fluids. But if we are looking at our overall fluid intake, does a protein shake count towards that? Yes, it does. Okay. So I just wanted to answer that one. And then this, I want to dive into this. I can do an entire episode on caffeine, which I probably will do because I'm going to do an episode coming up on ergogenic aids for bariatric athletes. Caffeine is an ergogenic aid. And I do get this question because obviously caffeine is not recommended typically after bariatric surgery. And there's, there's good reason for it for sure. Um, But typically down the road, Surgical centers do tell bariatric clients that they can start having some caffeine. Um, So what are some pros about caffeine? Um, As a a bariatric athlete, caffeine, like I said, is an ergogenic aid, is a central nervous system stimulant, which reduces perception of fatigue and pain. It increases muscle endurance and strength, which is obviously a benefit when you're working out. Um, What are some of the cons of caffeine? Um, Caffeine can lead to acid reflux, so especially for my sleeve patients out there, if you reintroduce caffeine of any kind and you notice you're having more acid reflux, that would be the first thing that would you know you'd want to probably eliminate to test to see if that is the the issue, right, the cause. Um, Certainly, um, caffeine can also impact, especially. Let me say, caffeine in tea and coffee can impact. Absorption of iron. So, if you are going to drink coffee or tea, you should separate it by two hours from any bariatric vitamins or minerals supplements that contain iron, okay? Um, of course, it can lead impact sleep negatively. It can make you feel jittery. Um, so, I always recommend, you know, definitely talk to your surgeon when is an appropriate time that I can start reintroducing caffeine, if at all, if I'm allowed to do that. Um, But as a bariatric athlete, um, it can be helpful in your workouts. Um, Remember that with uh, caffeine, um, you want to take it about one hour before the workout because that allows it to peak in the bloodstream as you are beginning your workout. So you want to start it, uh, take it about an hour before your workout. Um, The dosage for athletes for caffeine is 1.5 to 3 milligrams per kilogram body weight. So again, if you want to know how to determine your kilograms of body weight. You take your weight in pounds, divide it by 2.2. That will give you your weight in kilograms. And again, I want to remind you, we want to use our the maintenance weight that we reach that we're going to maintain or hold, or that goal weight that our surgeon provides to us as the calculation uh, used for the weight that you're going to use to calculate this. So again, 1.5 to 3 milligram per kilogram body weight. And that generally averages out to about 100 to 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is really about the amount of caffeine in a cup of coffee to be honest with you so it's not that much uh, you, you know it doesn't you don't need to have these high doses to benefit from caffeine remember too that caffeine does stimulate bowel movements which can be a positive for a lot of bariatric folks that sti- um, have constipation issues but if you are not used to caffeine and you're like hey I'm gonna try this gel that has caffeine in it on my you know long run today you might find that you're having some bowel movements uh, while you're out on the course which is not usually a welcome experience so do be careful with it like everything that that I've always told you guys, we never try anything new on, on competition day, right? So if you want to use caffeine as an ergogenic aid, this should be something that you are utilizing during training to make sure that it does help you and that you feel good with it, okay? And I also just want to talk about a study. Um, because caffeine does get kind of this rap of it being a diuretic or dehydrating us, um, there have been many recent uh, studies that have kind of debunked that myth that caffeine severely dehydrates us or increases our urine output. In fact, I want to uh, cite a study. Uh, there was a 2019 study done by Mon and Watson, as well as many other um, authors, co-authors, that looked at dosage dosages of caffeine of zero, 50 milligrams, 200 milligrams, and 400 milligrams of caffeine. They gave it to their participants. They measured, uh, after 30 minutes, they measured their urine output, and there was no difference in the urine output or fluid balance between the different groups. So again, between the 0, 50, 200, and 400 milligram caffeine dosage, there was no difference. So What that suggests to us is that moderate intakes of caffeine does not appear to contribute to significant dehydration. So, I just wanted to throw this out there because I do hear that a lot of times. Oh, we can't drink caffeine because it dehydrates us. Well, yeah, at very severely high amounts, it can increase urine output, but it. Typical doses that we're going to be drinking coffee or, you know, um, even if we do have to have, you know, some kind of other caffeine-containing beverage, um, the dosages typically are not enough to really stimulate a significant amount of urine output to cause dehydration. So, I just wanted to put that out there just so that we are, you know, knowledgeable about the myths that we hear. Um, But certainly, I'll just mention as I talked about earlier, as a bariatric um, athlete, make sure, number one, that you talk to your surgeon first before you reintroduce anything new. And you want to always practice with it before um, we just try it on competition day. Okay? So I hope that you found today's episode helpful. Um, you know, I like to try to cover as many different topics as possible. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm always open to suggestions. If you have topics or questions, I'd like to do an upcoming episode on like a QA and a where I get, you know, frequently asked questions that I receive. So feel free to message me with questions that you have. And I will try to include that in one of my upcoming episodes where I talk um, about frequently asked questions for bariatric athletes. So submit that to me. You can message me on my Instagram, which is at Active Bariatric. You can message me on my Facebook page, Active Bariatric Nutrition. You can uh, message me on TikTok. Um, I also now have a YouTube channel, so you can now follow um, and subscribe and watch um, every one of my episodes on YouTube, my Active Bariatric Nutrition channel on YouTube. So give that a like and a follow. And then, if you don't mind, guys, if you have friends or family members that you think would benefit from the information that we talk about on these episodes, I would so greatly appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing it. That way, it gets out to as many people as possible. And if you'd like to learn more about my one-to-one bariatric nutrition coaching services, please go to my website, www.activebariatricnutrition.com and schedule a discovery call with me so that we can learn more about each other, see if I can help you in any way. Thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll talk to you again next week. Take care, guys.